Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Acts tonight, chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week uh, a little bit. Last Wednesday night, we were ministering on praying in a new era. And when I say praying in a new era, we're not calling it in. We are in it. How many knows that we are, over these past two years, it has pushed us as, as really as humans to try to find footing for what a new normal is. We were actually shoved into it. I don't know that there is such a thing anymore as normal. And I know it won't be like it was probably pre-COVID days. And it may not supposed to be that way. I was talking to a businessman today uh, for a few moments. And he was talk telling me about businesses. That a lot of businesses, because of where technology is... They are no longer building offices, office complexes like they have in past because they're allowing their employees to work from home and they're finding they can get as much done, if not more, working from home than in an office building. So now we got office buildings setting empty and don't know what to do with these buildings because things have changed. We are just in a new era of time. Miss Judy, I told them last week, I, at one of the service stations here in town, I noticed one of the new ones out by the highway has put up a whole bay of, 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 of where you can go if you've got an electric car and you can charge it there. I think there's like 10 bays there that you can pull up, plug your car in. Who would have ever thought in our lifetime that we would see, uh, Miss Carolyn, that we would see electric cars? But it's happening. Whether I understand how it works or you understand how it works, we are presently in that age. We're in that world. I was talking to the mayor the other day. He was telling me about a highway in Michigan where they're taking one of the lanes and they put with technology, with technology, they are putting it where the cars that have, you know, don't have a driver can run in that lane or a truck. Now, I don't know if I want to be near that lane or not, or, or even want to be in that car. But again, whether I understand how all of that's going to work, whether I believe in it, whether I trust it or not, we are in that time. And I believe that natural things coincide a lot of times with spiritual things, and spiritual things with natural things, that we are in a new era. And one of the things I was reminded of in the last couple of days, went back to the first of the year when our apostolic council was speaking to us. One of the words, the last words that was spoke to us came through prophet, I think it was prophet Mitch Clay that spoke this. We cannot take our cues from the past. In other words, what we've done yesterday and what we've done in the past is not going to take us to where we need to be in this moment. So now we got to figure out what does this new era look like? What is it asking of us? And especially, I think everything begins with prayer. So it begins as we begin to pray this in. How do we pray in this new era? And again, I'm not saying we're calling it in. I believe we're there. We're in the midst of it. So how do we pray in it? Last week, if you remember, I'm just giving you a little refresher, some of this you already heard, to catch some up for speed that wasn't here. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus with his disciples, after he said, follow me, gave them what is called the Lord's Prayer, or that's what we would call it, the model prayer. He said, when you pray, this is how you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Now, most of us, make, we've read every book under the sun. You've heard it taught in a number of different ways. Pastor Val, done, I think, done a whole series on the Lord's Prayer. I believe it was a few years for us. But when the Lord reflected that to me again, Miss Judy, I had to ask the question, why did he say pray that way? Why did he say pray that was it just a good pattern? Was it just a good model? Well, if you go to the first of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and John is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven, what is at hand? In other words, Chris, it's coming. 
Then in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is on the scene now. And the Bible said from that time, he began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now the kingdom of heaven isn't coming. The kingdom is here. He is the initiator of that kingdom. So the reason he said to them, I want you to pray like this. He said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because that's what was being established in the earth. And through their prayers and through their words, the kingdom of God was going to manifest in the earth. Verses preceding that, he said something like this. You're not going to be heard for your much speaking. For your much praying. All the words we're doing. See, sometimes I think the reason we're not seeing results could be because we're not praying in alignment with what God is doing. It is so important that we hear what God is saying in this hour. And that's what we give attention to. But pastor, I feel that it doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what God is saying. And he is saying, I'm moving, I'm working, I'm moving through the land. I I don't know why I'm going to tell you this story. It came back to my heart this past week. I read it a number of years ago about the largest, the fastest growing church in the world was in India. Is in India. Now this article was a number of years ago, I, I guess about 2000 and... 16 is when it came out, so it's been a couple years ago. In 2005, this church started with 25 people. 2005. In 2015, they had over 160,000 members. Adding tens of thousands every year. Added to the kingdom. And the story was like this. They didn't have a... Chris, uh, Jill, they didn't have a church building. I mean, how do you handle that many people? They didn't have a building, but they had property. And they had a vision for a place where India, where all these people would come and worship God and be equipped and be trained and everything else that would go on. So they began to pray. The pastor felt led of the Lord. He said, call a prayer meeting or call a fast and go to the property and pray. For 40 days, that group of people in the rainy season, Joni, crawled out on that barren piece of ground. Miss Judy, for 40 days, they called out unto the Lord. They fasted for 40 days. And then after the 40-day fast was over, the pastor felt the Lord speak to him and said, do it again. So now they're doing it all over again. And then they got through that Uh, 40 days of of fasting. And the Lord says do it one more time. And through much opposition with government and everything, they built an 18,000 seat auditorium. Now I'm not talking about sticks and stone or sticks and brush. I'm talking about a very nice building, air-conditioned building of all things. And that is almost heard of almost not heard of in India, to put this air conditioning system in alone was going to take them, I think they said, about 90 days for that to even be put in. They put this building up from nothing to where they moved in and had service in 52 days. Supernaturally, by the hand of God. While they were fasting, pastor was reading. From the book of Nehemiah. Where it said they rebuilt the walls in 52 days. And he heard the Lord. And he moved upon every word that God was speaking. And had his people praying that way. And God began to move supernaturally. It blows my mind. I read through the article that gives the seven, the seven, you know, uh, what habits, I guess, of that of that church? I, I want to. There's a couple I want to give to you. Uh, the first one w- w- was simply this: they prayed and they fasted. They knew how to pray and they fasted. They sought God to get done what was going to be done. The second thing it was they preached the word. It was the most important thing, and it was preached with uncompromising ability. In other words, they preached repentance. 
They preached the blood of Jesus. They preached the cross. And that there was only one way, and that's Jesus. And they preached it hard. Matter of fact, he said, they said, the article said, his messages would last from, from 60 to 70 minutes. As full as it could be. And they started church at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I forget how many services went all day long. And didn't the last service was 8 o'clock in the evening. And in between one of that service, pastor every weekend would take 1,200 of his key leaders and spend 30 minutes of pouring the word into them. Wow. That's amazing. The other thing they did took care of the flock. We took care of the flock. They saw that the needs of the people were ministered to. One of the things that stuck out to me, that's why we got, how we got our little birthday thing that we were doing for a while. Got to keep in mind, 160, over 160,000 people, that's back there. But every, for every person's birthday, they had a birthday cake delivered to their house. Now, these people are so poor, they would fix lunch for them. Most of them, they'd have lunch to take care of because that may be the best meal they're going to get through the week. And everybody got a birthday cake. They said they were, they were delivering 4,000 birthday cakes every day. Can you imagine that? And what that would cost them to do that? I'm sure they weren't birthday cakes like you and I can, but even if it's a cake like this, it's still got a cost factor in it. That went on every day. And they worked hard. And they believed hard. They operated in supernatural faith. They believed that God would do what God said He would do. And there was no question of that. There was no question, Charlie. If God said we can reach our nation for God, we can do it. If we can get hundreds of thousands in, if we could build this building, they just believed it. And so it's very important that you and I are hearing what God is saying. And God says, I'm moving. And God says, we're in a new era. And so we're going to have to figure out, God, believe God. I'm, I'm telling you, I believe I'm bringing you an instruction from the Lord. So in the book of Acts, chapter 1, I better get to tonight or I'll never get it there. And the time is shrunk down on the, clock, on the back, back back there so I can yeah, I see what it is. So here it is in the book of Acts, or the book of Acts, chapter 1. And I want to start, well, let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Y'all know this real well. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushy mighty wind... And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. And, and, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want to ask you a question. Why did that happen at that time? Because that's what God said was going to happen. You need to keep that in mind. They just didn't show up in an upper room and something happened. God had told them, a day will come, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So what was God? He gave them an instruction. But before he ascended, he gave them an instruction. You tarry until you are endued with power from on high. You wait in Jerusalem. So they gathered in that upper room, and they began to seek the face of God. Now, I want you to keep in mind something. Let's go back again, all the way back to the beginning of the New Testament. I'll go back to Matthew, because I know where it's at there. In the book of Matthew, chapter 3, when John began to preach about Jesus coming, the kingdom of at hand, John said, I'm the voice, the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Then in verse 11 of, John, of Matthew 3, he said, I indeed baptize you under repentance, but he who comes after me is mightier than I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Wait a minute, that's been the plan of God from before Jesus ever got here, is that you and I would be filled with the Holy Ghost. 
That was his plan before Jesus ever arrived. Is that you and I wouldn't know how. And he's not talking about just having an experience. He's going to baptize you. He's gone. And notice the next part of that verse says. And his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor. And gather his wheat into the barn. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Because we are in a partnership with him. To gather in this harvest. Hello. That's why you're filled with the Holy Ghost. If you haven't figured that out yet, you are filled with the Holy Ghost because we are in the family business of heaven. Jesus is our, is our co, we are co-laborers, we are partners with him, and we've got an assignment, Miss Judy, and that is to gather in this harvest that is setting in the world. And we cannot do it, listen, through religion. We can't do it through program. Not that they're not helpful. Not that we won't have them. But it takes the working and the power of the Holy Ghost resting upon each of us in order to fulfill it. So Jesus gets ready to go. He fulfills everything that he did on the cross. And in Luke chapter 20, chapter. 24, turn there with me, or they can put it up on the screen. You can write this stuff down. Look at it when you get home. Another day, Jesus, the Bible said, in, let's look at verse 45. And he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scripture. He said, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. See, until Jesus died, we had no message. The reality is, until Jesus fulfilled everything that he called, we really didn't have a complete message. But now we've got the complete message, and everything has been set in order for us to declare what God wanted done. And then he said, you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in Jerusalem, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now look at Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. The Bible says, now after uh, starting at verse 1, we can go there. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all of Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he chose. To whom also he presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Being seen by them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And notice his message never changed. He said, I've come to see that the kingdom of God is established in the earth. Then he goes on, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard, for John truly baptized you with water, but you, these are the words of Jesus now, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons of which the Father has put in his own authority, but you, everybody say you, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what purpose? And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, you're going to be my witness in the earth. We're in a partnership. And that's the whole reason he's pouring out his spirit upon us. Then the Bible said that when he had spoke these things, they watched him go up in verse 14 of chapter 1. Just hang with me a moment. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. They went to Jerusalem. They waited. They went from Mount Olivet where Jesus was taken up, went in Jerusalem, and now they begin to wait. Now, question would be, 
Had they not done that, would there have been an Acts 2-1? Possibly not. Now think, of, even though it was Pentecost, he said, I'm going to send, but he was going to send it upon somebody. Hello? He was going to send it. He said, I want you to go. Here's why it's so important that we hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Today, I got a call from Prophet Mitch Clay. They just got back from Utah. And I'm telling you, he was bursting at the seams. I guess he talked to y'all too. He was busting at the seams. Correct me if I get the story wrong. One of the people in their church over there, I believe he's in the medical world. I think he's a therapist or something. Is that right? He's a nurse practitioner. He's got an evangelistic call on him. The Lord speaks to him and said, I'm going to send you to Washington. Now, he's thinking about, you know, possibly Washington State or Washington, D.C., but that wasn't in at all. God sent him to Washington County, I think it is, Utah. It's a place in the valley in southern Utah. He's never been there. Has no reason to go there other than the Spirit of the Lord began to lead him. I think he had a couple of dreams, didn't he? Or something to that effect. God speaks to him. He's going to take a tent and he's going to do a tent meeting in a field. And God even showed him what the field was going to look like by a truck that he saw in a vision or something that was going to be setting there. And so when he arrives, never been there, he is in the midst of Mormon country. To where it's almost like in Mitch's words, it's the Mormon mafia. If you're not Mormon, you can't hardly get a job. You can't even hardly function unless you're one of them. But he went there and began to preach the gospel of the kingdom Prophet Mitch and Apostle Anthony went over this past weekend and ministered there. The tent was completely full. He said they saw at least 50 people being delivered from demonic spirits at one time. People are being healed all over the place. People are coming to Jesus with tears. We have been so deceived all of these years. We want you to tell us Tell us the gospel. Tell us the truth of this Jesus. And he went there all big. I mean, he gave up just about everything. The head there left his family, I believe. They're all with him there. They're, they're there ministering. They were, Mitch was calling me, hey, you know anybody's got a tent? Because they were expecting a couple hundred people at least tonight to be there. And this thing is growing and people are coming from two and three hours away because the word is being spread through the valley that Jesus is moving. Hallelujah. All because somebody heard the Spirit of God and obeyed it. Church, that's what we got. We got to hear what the Lord is saying. And then we begin to pray. My question was, my question is, Oh, he said, Terry in Jerusalem, I wondered how they prayed. Because it doesn't tell us what they said. It doesn't tell us what they asked for, but we have to read into it some. That I have to believe, Miss, Miss Piedad, that they were there praying. Lord, you said we were to be endued with power. So, Lord, fill us with your power. I have to believe that's what they were asking for. Matter of fact, the Bible said, these all continued. Now, you need to catch these words because this is the early church. These all continued with one accord and in prayer, with supplication with the women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Matter of fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians, there were probably 500 were given an invitation to come to this prayer meeting. But over time, 380 exited. Couldn't wait. Got distracted by other things. But 120 held firm. They stayed firm at Jerusalem and kept seeking the face of God. So when it says they were all with one accord. Let's look at that word. One accord. Because the New Testament church has to move as a body. 
I really believe that's something God is calling the church. we got to be a body. So let's look at what it means to be in one accord. They were of one mind, and they were one and the same. It just simply means they were of one mind, one and the same. There wasn't 15 ideas about what God was doing. There wasn't 15 ideas of what we think we need. They all were there. We're here because God said, we're going to be endued with power from on high. So they, they, they were of the same emotion. I'm breaking it down a little bit more. They were of the same emotion, the same passion, the same desire, and the same mind. Boy, that's hard to get in it. You think about it. It's, it's long enough to get two people to be of the same emotion, the same passion. You know, because, got to be honest, not everybody's as passionate about this as I am. You ought to be. If I'm hearing God, if we're speaking the word of the Lord, you ought to be. The Bible said they were of the same emotion, the same passion, the same desire, the same mind. Man, they they were together. You talk about a group of people. That's what was happening in India. Because God was moving supernatural. It's amazing how many people. We saw this back in, in 96 in Paducah, in Paducah when revival broke out. You'd think everybody wants the Spirit of God. They don't. I had people leave us during that time. Money people. They decided to exit on us. Didn't want anything to do with that. But those that hung in began to experience the things of the Lord. They were of the same desire, the same mind. Here's another. It was a group acting as one. It was a group acting as one. They weren't acting. We're in this thing. It was a response. Here's a good one. It was a response to God's action for the community and the world. Wait a minute, God said, I'm going to touch the community. I'm going to touch the world. So you know what they did? They responded to it. They didn't sit around like some of us. Well, you know, I don't have a heart for Africa. They didn't deal with that whatsoever. They just said God was going to fill us and do us, and somehow we're going to start here, and we're going to be able to touch the world. They just jumped on board, and they went after it. So the word, when they said they continued, it means they were earnest towards. They were constantly diligent, and they attended to it with great care. Man, we're not going to miss this. We're not going to let this thing go. So they waited. Matter of fact, I believe it was a fulfillment, that verse alone, of what Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2. That in the last days, God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Because notice something, it wasn't just about the 12. It wasn't just, those were the guys that got the closest to Jesus. So now, I mean, it's 12. We got 108. We got 108 people, we don't even know who their name is, that has stayed consistent with these 12. And we got the mother of Jesus, and we got the other women there. And what did Joel prophesy? He said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams. And upon my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out my spirit. So it was fulfilling Joel chapter 2. So they waited. For what purpose? They waited and they sought the face of God so that God would feel them that they would be witnesses of Jesus. Now, Acts 2 unfolded. I'm glad y'all sang the songs you sang tonight. I'm glad they sung the songs you sang tonight. I want you to think about it. He came and never left. This is something you and I have got to get in us. He is here, and if you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, He has not left you. He is with us. As we were saying, it's not that He's not here. We're just not aware. We are so clouded and so full of this world system and eating from day to day, from day to day, from day to day. 
Miss Judy, we can't hear him. He's wanting to move. It's not him. It's us getting ourselves out of the way. Do you ever think Isaiah 60 says this? Arise and shine. For thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen. He didn't say he was coming down. He said it's what? So where's it coming from? Out of me. So he told me to arise. Psalm 68, 1 says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. And we keep asking God to move. God said, I'm here. You have just filled yourself with so much stuff. I, I thought about, I, I kept hearing this word, this little phrase lately. And we're going to figure out what God is saying to us. But less is more. We're working way too hard. And we shouldn't have. We shouldn't be. If I'm totally surrendered to God and daily aware, I was thinking back again over the words that came to us at the beginning of the year. Uh, Brother Steve started out talking about momentum. And he talked about the working of the Holy Spirit in us. He said, God uses the Holy Spirit to direct us. He uses us in our life. And he said this, we're to look for opportunities. Opportunities for what? For him to manifest through us. He said, we're to look for the opportunities. He went on to say something. Uh, he talked about being single of our eye with what God is doing. Pastor Miss Sherry uh, spoke a word later that, that or, or the next day, I think it was. Where, where is it? Let me find it here. She spoke a word to us. She said, you said I believe and you said it is done. And she was encouraging us to come to that place that we are invincible in the Lord. We are incapable of being overcome. We are incapable of being stopped. We are incapable, you know, because of the Spirit of God that is on the inside of us. And the only way it will, if we just will not operate with Him or cooperate with Holy Ghost. Pastor Val steps up and he said, how did he say it in that meeting? Let me find it. I've got all of this stuff. He said, we cannot be resistant to the Holy Spirit and expect to go anywhere. We can't be resistant to Him. So now i got to find, okay, Holy Ghost, what you do? What are you doing? What are you saying to me? I'm telling you, our prayer has to change from God move. God, we want you to move. Our prayer has to become more like this. God, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to function in this season? If God's saying we can't take our cues from the past, listen, I'm challenging every one of you that are in ministry. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care what the successes were. We've got to come to that place. Okay, God, this is a new season. It's a new hour. How am I to function in this time? Even as a church, I'm asking that question. And do I trust Holy Spirit enough that if it doesn't look what, the way I've always done it, do I trust Him enough that He can get it done if I just obey Him? Now, I appreciate that. I don't know who said, you, Miss Darling, don't, this is not a correction thing. I'm not putting, but I'm glad you said it the way you did. Because it's easy to say it right now until He starts saying, this is what I want you to do. Uh, but Lord, but Lord, I mean, he's put our but Lord in there. And we try to figure it out instead of just saying, I don't understand it. I'm just going to go with God. I mean, the brother that went to Utah to go into the valley just simply went out of obedience. Not knowing what was going to happen. Not knowing what was going to manifest. Not knowing what they were going to see but just was obedient to the Lord. And that's where we are in this moment. So they carried and they prayed. And here, listen guys, I, I want us to grab this. He is here with us. We're not creating an atmosphere for Him. Come on, I want you to think it's not about us creating an atmosphere for Him. It's about us getting us out of the way so that we are more aware of Him. 
think about that from I'm creating an atmosphere for God. Well, maybe, maybe to some degree we are. But for the most part, if I believe he's here, it's actually getting me out of the way, getting my flesh. I dealt with that last week a lot. That one of the biggest things we've got to get out, we've got to get our flesh out of the way in this moment. Our likes, our dislikes, our, well, I think this, I think that. I just got to come to believe that God is moving. And Holy Spirit is with us. He hasn't left us, Miss Judy. He's here all the time wanting to do more than what most places. I believe Holy Spirit is really grieved. He's grieved because he can't do. I want to do more. I want to be bigger. I want to show you my... But you're not sensitive to where I'm at. And we've got smarter than the Holy Spirit that we think we could get it done without Him. You know, in the Scripture it says, you remember we talked this in tithing. We'll use this verse a lot. Out of Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse that there may be meat upon my table. And, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out blessing that there's not room to receive. So you know what God just said? I want to bless you more than what you can imagine. I want to bless you more. But the verses preceding that says this. Why do you rob me? Why do you rob me? I'm paraphrasing. Why are you robbing me? How in the world can you rob God? How in the world? This is, I believe, what he's saying. You're robbing me from the blessing. And my privilege of lavishing myself on you the way I truly desire to do it. And it's nobody's fault but yours. I want to do more than what you're allowing me to, than you've given me room to do. And sometimes that may look so different in so many different places. Now that's one meeting in the valley. That's one meeting. So I could say, man, we got, we got to run to Utah and get a part of what God's doing. That's one meeting of obedience. Now there's a brother in Georgia. I think he was a Baptist brother. I could be wrong. But it started down there in a baptismal tank. And God said, start baptizing the people. And when they get into the water, I'm going to heal them and I'm going to deliver them. So that move of God is all about water baptism. And they'll, bring, they'll have in their church down there. My brother was down there just a few months ago. He stopped on the way back from Florida. They got, they got swimming pools in the church. And every service, he said, the place is jammed. And you have to kind of sit, you know, in a, an appointment. Hey, I want to be baptized. And he said, they've got... People being baptized all over the place. And people are coming out delivered. They're coming out healed. They're coming out with God touching them in so many different ways. But it's one move that God spoke to that guy. I think we're going to set up swimming pools in the church. But you know, he hadn't told us that. Now, I'm not saying we wouldn't do that, but if he told me we would do it. But see, that's our nature. Hey, let's go do th It's just one move. Rodney Howard Brown in, in Tampa, Florida. The guy's nuts. He just believes that the whole world's going to be saved. He's built an outdoor. Tim was showing it to me. An outdoor pavilion. Looks like a... It looks like a, 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 a one of these round things, like an airplane hanger-like thing that you, you know. This thing is like four, I think Tim said it was like four football fields long. And God spoke to him through the pandemic. He said, if the world can be shut down, you can't because you've got a voice to speak to the world. And they've had church every night. He's got teams up, they gather under that pavilion. And when the state came in and said, you got to shut down, he said, you're never going to shut us down. He created a way, if we can't be it, we'll go in there. We're outside. 
They got fans. They got everything. And they're having church out there. And he believes that thing is going to be filled up. But that's one move. I'm trying to get us to see some how important it is to hear what Holy Spirit is saying to us. Even to us as a church. So what's God been saying to us? He's been saying it's harvest time. He spoke through those, those guys. Either that or I need to throw them out and get me a new bunch. But I got confidence in them that God speaks to them. And they were all speaking the same thing. And they were speaking increase. And they were speaking the harvest. So God is speaking to us about harvest. So what do we need to have on our mind? How do we gather and take care of harvest? Y'all got real quiet. But if that's what he's saying to us, Miss Judy, that's where our focus has got to be. How do we take care of, how do we gather, how do we take care of, and how do we maintain the harvest if that's what he's talking to us? I want to tell you things that he, that's been in my heart in the last couple of days that, that I've been dreaming of. I know chairs are empty tonight, but I'm not seeing them empty. I'm believing what God said. He said, we're going to be a magnet. Increase is coming. Hello? Well, pastor, you said it before. I don't care. We're going to say it again. He made Abraham walk around without a baby for 25 years before that thing came into life or manifested. And then he changed his name, said, I'm not even going to let you say it's coming. You're going to start declaring like it's here right now. I'm a father of nations. I'm a father of nations. Who are you? Father of nations. Hello? Doesn't matter what everybody else does. It matters what God is speaking to us. What was the purpose? What was the purpose of them gathering? So that Holy Spirit could come. For what purpose? That he said, you might be witnesses of me. In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. From day one when Jesus came, his desire, listen, is that we all be filled, empowered, and led by the Holy Spirit. I want to say it, it is absolutely his will that we be filled. That we be filled and that we be empowered. And that we be led by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible said they came out of the upper room. And God somehow moved through. As cloven tongues like as a fire. I don't know if they saw it. It just says it was there. Who knows what they saw up there. Everybody heard there was a wind. But 3,000 souls came to the Lord after they came out of the upper room. And just another chapter later, two chapters later, after Peter and John raised the lame man up at the gate beautiful, the Bible said 5,000 came to the Lord. Now, wait a minute. I, I'll get myself in trouble. But in a culture that only counts men, there could have been many more than 3,000. There could have been many more than 5,000. Then it went from 3,000, went from 5,000, and then this what this is, and it was increasing. It would, there went, moved into a place that it was increasing rapidly. Let me land the jet right here tonight. would be enough tonight. Like I said, you know, less is more. So instead of 60 minutes, 58. <laughs> so they come out of the upper room, and now... They're, they're just going about their day. And they started walking. And they're going back to the temple. I wonder what they're going to the temple for. Well, the Bible said they're going to the temple daily to give praise to the Lord. They said they just went praising God. But on the journey, Peter and John stopped by. And there's a lame man that had been, been there for a while. And he's asking of John. And one of them said, look upon us. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. Now, 
My question, was that a by chance or was that a God opportunity led by the Holy Spirit? He didn't do it the day before. I guarantee you they'd seen the man before. But for some reason, they stopped and they probably didn't have any money the other days if that's what that meant. I believe it could have said something like this. I want to give you something better than silver and gold. I want to give you something better. And he reached down. He said, look on us. And he took him by the hand. And the Bible said, Peter didn't even pray for him. Hello? Matter of fact, Jesus didn't tell us to pray for the sick. He said, heal them. We spend a lot of time praying Trying to get our faith up. He said heal them. Heal the sick. And the man leaped and up. And you would think everybody would be happy about that. But the religious folks weren't. And so they came against Peter and John. And began to threaten him. You got to stop preaching in his name. You got to stop this. Because you're going to overthrow all of us. That name carried power. And you got to quit preaching in that name. So what did, the, what did they do? They go back. And they began to pray again. But they didn't ask to be filled again. Oh God, we got to have you. They didn't ask for that. They said this in Acts chapter 4. Verse, just turn, this will be my last verse for you. Acts chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 29. Now look, Lord, upon their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word and by stretching forth your hand uh, to heal and that signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They said, give us boldness. And Lord, give us the courage to speak your word and to stretch, you stretch out your hand. You stretch your hand out through us, Lord, and heal the sick. And notice what happened. And when they prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, I believe it was like this. I don't think they got filled all over again. I think they felt the manifestation of the upper room through their senses again just to let them know. I didn't go anywhere because we have to know something. I I really believe that, Pastor. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when it says, when the Holy Ghost came and it filled the room where they were sitting, that word there means to feel as a net. A fishing net. It's absolutely full. There's no more room. Or I could say to fill this basket with your offering before you leave here. Good idea, right? <laughs> so that there's no more room. That's what it, there's no more room. It's there. But when it says here, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost in chapter 2, also verse 4, and they And they spoke with other tongues. And it says, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. This is what it said. They received a supply. They were furnished with what they needed to fulfill what they were called upon to do. They got a supply. Another, I got another supply. Sometimes I got I to gotta get another supply. I think that's why we go, Lord, I, I just need another supply. I'm, I'm doing, I'm filled, but I need, I, I'm needing that supply. I need to be furnished to know that I'm fairly, completely furnished, Lord, with everything you need. And the Bible said they began to speak. The very thing they asked for, God, what did God do? They began to speak the word with boldness. They just began to prophesy. Thus says the Lord. All of them were filled with a place shook. So as we're going into this new era, we're not praying, God, come, we're already filled. But I believe we got to pray, Lord, help me get me out of the way. 
Help me get me out of the way. Lord, give me boldness that I can do what you've called me to. It's already there. But what I'm really asking for is get me out of the way so that you can be big in my life. Are y'all, are y'all receiving? Because we're in, a, we're in a different time. He's here. If you're spirit-filled, he never leaves you. I'm, matter of fact, I'm sealed by him. He isn't going anywhere. In fact, I can grieve him, I can resist him, and I can quench him, but I can't get away from him. He's, come on, I'm going to say that again. I can grieve him, I can resist him, I can quench him, but I cannot get away from him. He is with me, and he's with you, whether you want to recognize it or not. And we need to grab that in this hour. He's here. Well, pastor, you don't know what I did. Well, you've got an advocate with the Father that's, that's pleading your case. The moment you did it, all you have to do is repent. And he doesn't come back in. He just stands up. And he goes to work. He starts, but he never left you. I want us to get that. He is always here. Well, I don't feel. I don't feel. It doesn't matter. Pastor, you've been telling us that from the day you got here. What are we doing here? You remember Brother Tim that was here talking about going to the club and sitting at the keyboard? And I heard heard him at my ear say, it'll be a cold day in hell before I ever get back on a platform. That would sound like almost blasphemous. But he said, I got on that keyboard. And because of what was in him, it stirred him even in the club. Oh, if we could grab the goodness and the mercy of God. He's always with us. I have people ask me, Pastor, I think I blasphemed. I said, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You wouldn't even be asking me if you did. Just the whole idea you come and ask me tells me you didn't. Because you would have no desire for anything spiritual if you had done something like that. But he's with you. Look at your neighbor as you're standing. Say, he's with you. He never leaves us. Well, Father, thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I thank you for the moving of your spirit. I thank you, God. I thank you for the great harvest that you've called us into. God, all the signs and wonder, all of that that we've been asking for is only to use, to be used to gather the harvest. It's not so that we could say, God, we've got good church. That all came so that we could gather this harvest. So, Father, I thank you that you're moving and you're doing great things among us. Help us be more aware that you are with us. Help me to get me out of the way, God. God, I thank you tonight. I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.